Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolf, and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio Free CR 855 on your AM dial. And I'm Sandrine Berges from Bill Kent University, Ankara. Lack of fairness to an opponent is essentially a sign of weakness. Emma Goldman, Living My Life, 1931. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today we're speaking with Dr. Sharon Presley about Voltaire Declare. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself? Uh, well, I have a, a BA from Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley, an MA from San Francisco State, and a PhD from City University of New York in social psychology. I have two books. I co-edited Exclusive Rebel, the essays of Voltaire and Claire, which is, I assume, why you're hearing <laughs> me about Declare. And I've also written a book called Standing Up to Experts and Authorities, How to Avoid Being Manipulated, Intimidated, and Abused. And I am working on a libertarian feminist anthology that's almost finished. So what was it that inspired you to study Declare? I read at Paul Average's biography of her sometime in the late 70s, and that... I was quite entranced by that biography, and so I wrote an essay about about her, and then later decided I would do an anthology, and it turned out that another person, Crispin Sartwell, wanted to do an anthology, too. He got in touch with me, and he didn't actually know I was working on an anthology. He just knew I had written about her, so it worked out well because then we co-edited an anthology of her works called Exquisite Rebel, the Essays of Voltaire Declare. Could you describe Voltaire Declare's childhood? She was pretty miserable. And when she was an early teenager, her father forced her into a nunnery school. Her mother was not happy about it, but he overruled her, and she hated it. She hated religion, and after she was able to lead, she talked about the white scars on her soul from, from going to that awful Catholic school. So she was an atheist from quite a young age then? Well, yeah, not explicitly so necessarily, but definitely very individualistic and not really interested in religion. 
in fact, she called the nunnery, she said it was like the valley of the shadow of death. So she was, that, if anything, pushed her away from religion. As soon as she was free of the nunnery school, she um, immediately gravitated towards free thought organizations. So if she wasn't exactly an explicit, she was pretty atheist. She was pretty close. How did Declare demand the end to sex roles? Well, she was <clears throat> such an unusual independent person that it makes sense that she didn't fall for the idea of sex roles. She, unlike most people at that time, she dismissed the idea of inherent gender roles. She believed there was social in origin, which at that time made her unusual. In fact, she has an interesting quote that I like very much. She said, women can't rough it like men. Train any animal or plant like you train your girls, they won't be able to rough it either. So she was actually even more radical than most feminists of her day who didn't necessarily assume that the gender roles were not inherent. One of her classic works was Anarchism and the American Tradition. Could you tell us a bit about this? Well, it's probably her best-known essay. It was circulated as a pamphlet. She talks about the spirit of the American Revolution, and she compares the idea of the revolutionaries to that of the anarchists, the idea that equal liberty is the political ideal. She said that both the revolutionists the revolutionaries and the anarchists had that idea. But she was a little disappointed because kids were taught about the battles of the Revolutionary War rather than the spirit. I fear that's still the case in school where kids learn dates instead of what was really going on at any given time in history. Voltaire Declare was shot three times, wasn't she? Could you tell us the circumstances surrounding this? The guy who shot her was deranged. He thought he was in love with her and that she had rejected him. She barely knew him. So he shot her. He, like I said, he was really deranged. Interestingly enough, she forgave him and thought that it was conditions in America that would precipitate someone to do something like that. I don't think I could be that noble. Someone <laughs> shot me. <laughs> no, it was amazing. She survived, really, wasn't it? Yes, she did. She did, fortunately, for, for all of us. How was anarchism more than a political doctrine for Voltaire Declare? Well, she was always very individualistic. She rebelled against any control of her mind or spirit. And so in that sense, she was a psychological anarchist, not just a political anarchist. She didn't think anybody had any business telling her what to do. So could you explain about her essay, Sex Slavery? Well, in, oh, that's one of her most passionate Essays. I just rewrote it in preparation for this. And she not only rails against the idea that women are inherently inferior to men, she also rails against the church and the state, which she saw as the enemies of women. 
and that all they did was try to keep women in sex slavery. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, she felt that, well, at that time, in her time, there were lots of laws that hemmed in women and kept them from acting freely. And, of course, the church, well, she, she, she just talks about the church in general, not to any specific church, but certainly that her ordeal in the Catholic school <laughs> would have really convinced her that religion was an enemy of women because they certainly would have urged and... Uh, conventional sex roles, and she was having none of it. She was much too individualistic for that. Mm, I suppose it was difficult for a woman who was single back then, wasn't it? They were, Women just were expected to be married, weren't they? Yeah, and, and she hated the idea of marriage. There's a reason why she never married. She saw it as a trap for women because in the, that time, in the late 1800s, the expectation is that women would wait on their husbands and produce children, and she wasn't having any of it. She uh, hated the idea of marriage, as it was seen at that time. And because she was so individualistic, there was no way that she was going to kowtow to any man. How did she manage to support herself financially? Very well. She was poor all her life, but she did some writing, and she, she, I think she worked for a school in Philadelphia. I forget the exact details, but she never had much money, that's for sure, so... You know, I suppose it would have been difficult for a woman writing under... Did she write under her own name? Oh, yeah, she did. And I have no idea how much money she might have made at that. I forget whatever I may have read about that, but I'm sure it wasn't much. But somehow she struggled along, and as I said, I think she did some work for a school in Philadelphia. Yeah, she was poor all her life. What was Voltaire Declare's concept of the dominant idea? Well, she talked about the idea or spirit which dominates a particular age and gives some examples. In her age, she thought it was mostly materialism, which, of course, she condemned. And she talked about the vanity and coarseness of what most people accepted and thought was appropriate. But she said that she didn't think the dominant idea of any age was not necessarily the dominant idea of an individual. So even though she thought materialism was, in her view, the dominant idea of her time, she rejected that. Mm. So uh, it sort of went with dominant idea with different ages of people. What what were some more examples of... Middle Ages, she talks about religion as a dominant uh, idea of that time. 
and everything was centered around religion. You're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial, and I'm speaking to Dr. Sharon Presley about Voltaire de Clare. Uh, now, de Clare was a passionate feminist in quite a few different ways, wasn't she? Yes, she was. She certainly, as I think I've already said, didn't believe that there were inherent sex roles or inherent differences between men and women. And and she basically acted the way she thought was appropriate and not how other people thought she should act. Right, so what other examples of uh, is there of her feminist views? Well, she was against marriage because in that time she thought it was a trap for women that they were expected to serve and wait on women, have children, and essentially be a slave to, her, to the husband. So in that sense, uh, yeah, that was part of her ideas about, well, she didn't think that women were obligated to marry or to have children. What were her views on education? Well, she thought everyone should be educated, and she certainly didn't think that education should include political indoctrination. So... Yeah, political or, or religious indoctrination as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, of course, her own experience in a Catholic school would certainly have convinced her of that. She uh, thought that education should be free of such constraints. Now, she did go on with her education and, and got, uh, went on a bit further than most girls did at the time. And I noticed in one of one of the photos of her when she was older, she was still wearing the little badge that she'd received from the Catholic school for it might have been matriculation or whatever it was called at the time. Do you, do you think this was sort of, she was wearing this because she was proud that she'd achieved a fairly high level of education for a woman at that time? I would think that would be the reason. She certainly didn't like the Catholic school, so it wasn't that. But I think it might have been worn as an encouragement to other women to continue their education. What were Declare's thoughts on free thought and religion? We've touched on a bit of that, but... Well, she hated religion. (laughs) (laughs) I depressed women. And she certainly, uh, after experience at Catholic school, probably had some very good reasons for that. As soon as she got out of high school, she gravitated very quickly toward free thought and became active in that for a while until she became an anarchist. First, she, she was, for a short while, a socialist, and then she figured out that that actually was just another way of not being free to act as your own conscience dictated. So it's not very surprising that she quickly gravitated toward free thought. Mm. 
What was the significance of her name? Her father was a big fan of Voltaire at one time, so he named her Voltaire. Unfortunately, her father changed his views. He was the one who forced her into a Catholic school against her mother's wishes. So, unfortunately, people sometimes do that. But he had originally been a fan of Voltaire. My impression is that he sent her to a Catholic school because, for some reason, he had drifted away from the openness of people like Voltaire and toward Catholicism. I, uh, I don't think it was because he thought she would get a better education. So why do you think that uh, Voltaire de Clare is an important anarchist in history? Well, because she talks about a number of subjects that other anarchists, particularly male anarchists, don't. And for one thing, she, her essay, Sex Slavery, shows that. Because many of the male anarchists were... In, their only way that they were uh, different from the average in that time was that they were anarchists. They still believed the same old crap about, you know, women are inherently inferior to men and not smart and yada yada. I mean, even Benjamin Tucker had a trace of that. and He's the most prominent anarchist, individualist anarchist of the 19th century although he did have women writing for him, including Voltaire. But, uh, yeah, there um, they're just was uh, the, the idea of women as inferior was essentially what most people believed in that time. Now, Voltaire declare had a connection with Emma Goldman, didn't she? Both being anarchist women. Well, it was a, a tumultuous connection. <laughs> they both admired and hated each other. Well, you know, their their philosophers were somewhat different. Emma Goldman was, of course, what is sometimes called a communist anarchist. I don't like that term because it implies something that isn't true. I call them communalists. And even though Voltaire at at some point called herself an anarchist without it labels. She was essentially an individualist. And so they they had conflicts on, on that point of philosophy. But also, and others have said this, this is not my original idea, that Emma had, was a little bit jealous of Voltaire and once said that beauty was denied her, which if you look at pictures of Voltaire, is nonsense. She's, she's a very interesting, attractive woman and Emma Goldman really wasn't. <laughs> 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 and so I think that, yeah, as I said, it's just not as that original with me. Others of her time pointed out that Emma was not above jealousy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So do, you, so, do you think it was just on that level, or there were other aspects to a jealousy as well about her political activism? No, I think it was more like a personal thing, because uh, Emma did write that essay about Voltrine. By the way, she uh, Emma um, Voltrine wrote an essay called "In Defense of Emma Goldman," and Emma Goldman wrote an essay. Voltrine to Claire, in which they praised each other. So they had, they admired each other as intellectuals, but at least on Emma's part, there was a tiny bit of jealousy. Uh, but they, uh, they did both write about each other in a positive way. Now there was Emma Goldman made a tribute to Voltaire de Clare. Now, how was this tribute flawed? Well, yeah, it had a number of mistakes. Her, Volter- I mean, uh, Voltaire actually had a son, and he talks about that. He thinks that most of the mistakes were trivial, but she did get uh, Voltaire's father's name wrong. She called him... August Declare with her spelling of her the way Voltaire spelled her name C L E Y R E, but in fact her father's name was Hector Declare and he spelled it C L A I R E. So that was one of the mistakes. She also Goldman also said uh, claimed that her son Harry didn't care for her. And that was absolutely not true. Harry loved it very much, even though he wasn't raised by Voltaire, and he was very proud of her. So those, are, I think, are the two main mistakes in Goldman's tribute. So, what was the relationship like between Harry and Voltaire? Well, like I said, he wasn't raised by her, and I'm not really sure how much contact he had with her. But according to Paul Average. Her biographer and an excellent scholar, Harry did love her very much and was proud of the things she had written. So, who raised Harry? I believe his father did. So that that would have been quite a quite a big statement to make in those days, having a child out yes. of wedlock. Yes, yes. Of course, she didn't care a fig about stuff like that, <laughs> obviously other people did. But her son didn't hold it against her. So is, is there anything else you'd like to add about Voltaire Declare that we haven't already covered? We've covered a lot. Well, she was very, very passionate. And you see that in her writing. It's really wonderful reading what she wrote because it just crackles with energy and passion for her her ideas and in my view that makes it really very exciting to read what she wrote because most people don't write that way today no would you have a passage there a short passage you'd like to read out Well, yeah, I was looking through some of her writings, and this is one I found that I particularly liked. At the end of your life, you may close your eyes saying, I have not been dominated by the dominant idea of my age. I have chosen mine own alliance and served it. 
I have proved by a lifetime that there is that in man which saves him from the absolute tyranny of circumstance, which in the end conquers and remolds circumstance, the immortal fire of individual will, which is the salvation of the future. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming onto the program today. And thank you. I'm always happy to talk about Fulton Declare. Yes, very fortunate to have you. And I've been speaking to Dr. Sharon Presley about Voltarine Declare. Hope you've enjoyed the program and been given plenty of food for thought.